Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. Before we jump into today's news, let me just remind you to be subscribed to the podcast, drop a five-star rating and some sort of review. That would be greatly appreciated. Now let's jump in. We are learning more and more about the lead up to the devastating mass shooting in Highland Park, Illinois, that occurred on the 4th of July during a 4th of July parade, specifically about the shooter himself and what variables led him to being able to have access to a weapon that would give him that ability to do such damage. So before we get into that, I will be honest, I'm less interested in the specific details about the shooter's life. I think a lot of times we have this cultural tendency to celebritize uh, mass shooters, which is the exact opposite of what we should be doing, because I do think that encourages other deranged individuals who have some ambition to be recognized, to be heard, to be uh, seen. Uh, to conduct these types of violent acts to get that attention and I would not want to contribute to that so unless there are very relevant details about him that I think we need to be aware of uh, to prevent future future tragedies such as what radicalized him did he have any particular ideology etc then otherwise I don't really want to uh, look into because I don't think it benefits us showing a bunch of photos of him or diving into specific personal life details. But a relevant part of this is how he got a gun. Based on all the clear blinking LED signs that were uh, blaring at people around him that he was a threat, he was still entrusted with such a dangerous weapon. So that's very important for us to understand and identify so that we can prevent future events like this. So on that note, as with many other of these young shooters we've seen recently, it did come down to people around him not taking his dangerous tendencies seriously and making him someone who's able to get their hands legally on a dangerous weapon. So we're about to dive into that, but I will just say to make sure everyone is clear about what I'm trying to say at the end of the day, yes, it is the individual's fault. All of the responsibility should land on the shoulders of the person who carried out these acts, of course. But it is still very valuable to look into what could have prevented this kind of damage, uh, what could have prevented someone who was dangerous, who did have these terrible aspirations from getting a tool that allows them to do that so effectively. Um, and obviously effectively in the most negative sense of the word. And so that's where this conversation around gun control comes in, the red, specific red flag laws and the implementation of them that we should be looking at. And that's where this all kind of comes into play. So with that being said, uh, reading from NBC News, Highland Park shooting suspect Robert E. I, I actually, so the mass shooter, I don't think repeating his name much time is relevant. So his father, uh, quote, may have responsibility in certain circumstances for his son's deadly actions, police say Wednesday, while stopping short of tying the dad to any criminal culpability. So they're looking into the dad because he clearly acted irresponsibly in his management of his son, in his management of giving his son a assault rifle type weapon. The 21-year-old suspect was too young to get a gun permit in 2019 from the state of Illinois, but his father sponsored uh, one for him despite previous threats by his son to harm himself and loved ones, authorities have previously said. So he wasn't quite old enough yet to get a gun, but his dad helped him get one. Uh, the shooter was still under 21 in 2020 when he purchased the AR-15 style weapon allegedly used in Monday's attack, a purchase he could only make because his father sponsored his firearm owner identification application. Again, people around an individual who had shown dangerous tendencies were helping him, sponsoring him in his attempt to get a dangerous weapon. The shooter is a formal, uh, the shooter's dad is a formal mayoral candidate in Highland Park and has voiced support for Second Amendment 
protections. He co-signed for his son's FOID application in December 2019, three months after police visited the family's home because a relative reported that uh, the shooter had threatened to kill his family members, the Illinois State Police said. So the police had been called to the guy who would eventually become the shooter to his house because he was threatening to harm himself, harm those around him. And yet still after that, after that dangerous incident, his dad helped him get a gun. At the time, 16 knives, a sword, and a dagger were confiscated, but the suspect wasn't arrested because family members declined to sign any complaints. Um, so the father characterized the incident as a childish outburst in an interview with the New York Post. He insisted he didn't do anything wrong and said he, he sponsored his son's application because he thought the firearm use would be limited to the shooting range. So why is this so crucial? Well, because those around him, notably his dad, didn't take his previous destructive actions seriously and then actively helped him to get a dangerous weapon, more people are dead that wouldn't have been otherwise. And that is what we see in a lot of these mass shootings. They aren't criminal masterminds who would have found a way to get an AR-15 or something like it by any means necessary, no matter what the laws were. No, these are disturbed kids who are showing signs of being potentially destructive and then given and supported in legally getting access to a gun that becomes a murder weapon. So if we did have more effective and agile systems, as well as a citizenry that took this issue seriously and would not give a gun to their kid uh, if he was showing these signs, again, the police were called because this individual was threatening people's lives, then we could have saved lives after that event. We could have saved lives in Highland Park, Illinois over the weekend. So another disturbing aspect of this is uh, reading shortly after Monday's mass shooting in Highland Park, Illinois, that left at least seven people dead and more than three dozen injured. The alleged shooter drove up to Ma Madison, Wisconsin and seriously contemplated executing another attack, according to the Lake County Sheriff's Office. So he allegedly was considering after the Highland Park shooting, going directly to Madison, Wisconsin and carrying out another mass shooting. So clearly quite, quite disturbed as obviously we are um, quite aware of. So, I mean, I guess I'm glad that didn't happen, but it shows you how much damage this person was longing to do. I think the takeaway is we absolutely do need systems in place that can identify people who are potentially harmful to themselves or others and then restrict their ability to get dangerous killing machines. But we don't just have to have those systems in place. The implementation and the execution of those systems have to be effective enough that not only is it on the books that people who are showing these dangerous tendencies shouldn't have guns, but actually law enforcement is carrying that out and making sure people don't have uh, dangerous weapons if they're clearly a threat to themselves and to others. But also, I think this story does put into our heads and should remind us that we need to be educating the population on how crucial it is that if you want a firearm, you are you have to be extremely careful with your own guns and with your decision to support or not support your children getting guns so that we can all be safer in this country. So I think better education societally wide about if you want a firearm, this is what you have to do to be safe with it is crucial to make sure that we all stay safe. Speculation about whether Trump would run for president uh, for a third time in 2024 began pretty much the second that he lost to Joe Biden in 2020. And each step along the way, Trump has been pretty clear with his public remarks that at least, if nothing else, he wants people to plan on him running um, for a number of different reasons. But recently reporting has come out showing that he may be planning on 
announcing a 2024 run a lot earlier than most people expected. So let's take a look at that. Reading from CBS, former President Donald Trump has privately told allies and aides in recent days that he's seriously considering announcing a 2024 presidential run as early as this summer. CBS News has learned. Even as Trump moves closer to a 2024 run, his deliberations remain fluid. So this is very interesting. The center point of our story today is Trump may announce early and we'll talk about why. But this little part of the article reveals that he's actually not decided yet. So he's either going to announce early or he's actually kind of not sure though. And that's very interesting because I thought he would have made up his mind by now. Continuing, no final decision has been made on whether to run and if so, when to launch such a bid. According to three people close to Trump who requested anonymity in order to share details on private conversations. Spokesperson for Trump did not immediately respond to a request for comment on Sunday. So that's kind of analyzing He's not sure yet, and he's still trying to figure it out. Fascinating. Several people who have spoken to Trump recently told CBS News that Trump and uh, Trump and his small group of top advisors are now mapping out various ways for Trump to announce a 2024 campaign, be it this summer or after this year's midterm elections. Traditionally, major party presidential candidates wait until well after the fall elections before jumping into presidential campaign mode. An early Trump launch before the November elections could upend campaigning strategies for both parties. So that's really interesting because announcing the summer before a midterm is very bizarre. And that would change the political landscape a lot with situations in his own party about people wanting to run it, but then also the Democrats strategy. Because if Trump has a multiple month jump on public campaigns where he's clear that he's running for president, where he's bashing the Democrats and the Democrats are just standing by without any coherent plan for their race against him, that could give him kind of a head start in getting ahead in the minds of voters. A little bit more, others close to Trump say that his anger toward the televised House January 6th committee hearings is fueling his motivation to run again and potentially to announce soon. Some people close to Trump said he feels he is not being defended well by Republicans and believes he alone is best positioned to defend himself. So one of the reasons he might want to announce early is he doesn't feel with all of the public thrashing of him as an individual that is happening right now because of the January 6th hearings. He feels being a presidential candidate will allow him to have the platform necessary to properly defend himself. Another reason that has been floated for why he might be wanting to announce early is he's seeing Ron DeSantis as well as a few other but less significant options rising in the Republican Party as possible 2024 presidential candidate. And so he likely hopes that if he goes ahead and announces early, he will stop the bleeding um, of him losing relevance, sort of, and losing that unilateral control of the Republican Party slowly, but it definitely is happening, especially with these January 6th hearings. And so announcing early could reinvigorate the strength and control he has over the party and over his own movement and stamp down any possible DeSantis run, for example. So it's so fascinating that he isn't sure at this point, though, behind the scenes, because I was confident that he had at least made up his mind. I'm not running, but I'm going to keep pretending like it so I can stay relevant so that I stay in the public eye, or I'm definitely running, which is what I thought his decision was based on his public statements. But no, it looks like he's still trying to figure out behind the scenes, but then he's thinking, if I decide to run, I want to announce early so that I can be the complete center of attention when it comes to possible Republican candidates in 2024 and also be able to more 
effectively publicly defend myself against all of the revelations that are coming out of the January 6th hearing. So fascinating stuff. Let me know where you stand. Would you rather see a Democrat go up against Trump or go up against a different candidate? Do you think it's a good strategy for Trump to announce early if he is running again? And what is your analysis of all that? Please let me know both in the comments of the YouTube video, but you can also uh, tweet me on Twitter at Luke P. Beasley. Don't forget to be following my Twitter. Now, former or about to be former, one of the two, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has announced that he will be stepping down in the wake of a number of different controversies surrounding him that have seriously damaged his popularity and party control. So Boris Johnson is kind of a buffoon. Uh, so this isn't really bad news for me. This is good news. And it's actually a little funny, to be honest, uh, watching this all go down. We will get to his announcement video in just a second here. But first, let's read about why he was pressured out of, of his position as prime minister. So this article breaks it down into two big controversies that did the most damage. The first, they call the Pincher Affair. Uh, a senior conservative MP recently resigned after mounting allegations that he sexually harassed two men while drunk. An ex senior civil servant's revelation that Johnson was made aware of the allegations in 2019 put an end to, sh to the shifting explanations from Downing Street number 10, which initially denied the prime minister was even aware of the official's behavior. So one of uh, Boris Johnson's close allies, his uh, in one of his MPs, had legitimate accusations against him of sexual harassment, and it was made clear that Boris Johnson was aware of this before he brought the guy on, but he still uh, brought the person on. So while Johnson later apologized for the appointment, it did not prevent the resignations of two of his cabinet's top members. After the heated discussions at the questions to the prime minister session on Wednesday at the House of Commons, Johnson was confronted by members of his party as well. So one of the big things we saw that led, I think, as well to him having to resign is he had, yeah, for him having to step down, is a landslide of resignations among his cabinet members. The next big scandal was Partygate, a number of breaches of restrictions in place during the COVID-19 pandemic by Downing Street in 2020 and 2021 also caused controversy when it was revealed that social gatherings and parties were held there while the rest of the country was in lockdown. Johnson and Sunak attended some of these parties where alcohol was consumed excessively and janitors were treated inappropriately. Don't treat the janitors inappropriately. Hard enough job as it is. Um, police and government investigations into the violations found that top government officials knowing, knowingly breached COVID-19 restrictions. So that was the one that I think was heard around the world most about was there were these restrictions in place for COVID-19 and Johnson knowingly violated them, had big old parties, spread the COVID all over the place. And when you're the leader of a country that is asking your people to take certain precautions to keep everyone safe, and then you're not taking those precautions, that's going to make people mad for sure. And we've seen a lot of those examples in the United States with officials as well. And I think it's definitely a good reason to be upset with the leader of your country or one of the leaders of your country when they tell you to do something and they don't do it themselves for sure. So messed up in a few big ways. The funny thing is none of that would take down a conservative politician in the United States, but at least it took him down. So that's good, I guess. As I mentioned, he did come out and give a speech explaining that he would be stepping down and why so let's take a look at that in the last few days i've tried to persuade my colleagues that it would be eccentric to change governments when we're delivering so much and when we have such a vast mandate and when we're actually only a handful of points behind in the polls even in midterm after quite a few months of pretty relentless sledging and when the economic scene 
is so difficult domestically and internationally. And I regret uh, not to have been successful in those arguments. And of course, it's painful not to be able to see through so many ideas and, and projects myself. And to you, the British public, I know... That so you can hear in the background, he's getting booed. <laughs> That's a bummer way to go out. But there will be many people who are relieved and uh, perhaps quite a few who will also be disappointed. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. Above all, Ooh. I want to thank you, the British public, for the immense privilege that you have given me. And I want you to know that from now on until the new Prime Minister is in place, your interests will be served and the government of the country will be carried on. So, perfectly fine, good speech. Uh, he's sad to be leaving. Tried to convince his party not to do it, but he was overruled and has decided to step down. Again, Boris Johnson is just kind of a buffoonish conservative. So this is a positive development because definitely um, he's not the best leader to be leading the British people. What I'm about to show you is bizarre, to say the least. A Fox News correspondent suggested that the solution to these mass shootings we've been experiencing lately in America just might be, wait for it, wait, exorcisms. Wait, what? Yes, exorcisms may be the solution to mass shootings. Let's take a look. But frankly, I got to tell you, I've been thinking and studying about all these cases. I'm not sure we're going deep enough. Um, yeah, I think you need police. You need parents for sure. You need schools. You need to clean up social media. Uh, you need all that. But, you know, um, you may need an exorcist, too. Uh, <laughs> what? Just drop that in there. <laughs> we may need an exorcist. Before your audience shakes its head on that. If you look at these boys, these men, these young men, um, they have deeply spiritual problems. Deeply. If you go into the labyrinthine caves of the internet, way down, and I don't recommend it, it's ugly stuff. Does anyone else doubt that he's knows how to effectively navigate the internet? Come on. And these guys dwell there. They live there. They drench themselves in it. And it's as ugly and evil as it, as it gets. We're the ministers. Uh, we're the rabbis, uh, the priests. Um, look, I, I, I don't want to suggest something that would seem farcical to a lot of your audience. But I don't think that the domain of... I love when someone says, I don't want to blank right as they're doing the thing they said they didn't want to do. I don't want to say something that would seem farcical to your audience. Now, let me talk about an exorcist coming in to solve the issues we have in America. Religion ought to be involved here. Um, it's a deeply spiritual void, I think, that these young men uh, have in their hearts and their souls. Uh, and I think it needs to be addressed. And I don't think we get at it, frankly, uh, with these uh, externalities as important as some of them may be and they may be we need to do it all but we need to do more so we've been talking about how a lot of anti-gun control conservatives again these days a lot of conservatives actually are fine with comments as gun control but most of the people in power aren't and a lot of the people in media aren't so that sect of the conservative movement will literally bend themselves into the most complex pretzel you've ever eaten 
that's not how we use that metaphor, to get away from having to answer legitimately what the solutions are, which do have to do with mental health, sure, do have to do with us promoting good, you know, healthy homes, blaring in our face is we do have to regulate the weapons that all of these shooters are using to do the maximum level of harm that they're able to inflict on people. And so this is such a cartoonish example of that, but it's like, let's talk about any other thing that could be playing a role in this, any other wacko solution other than the most obvious ones, because that would infringe on this bizarrely distorted conception we have of what the second amendment means, which is not is not in our constitution to say that there should be absolutely zero regulation of very dangerous weapons. No, absolutely not. But that's what they want it to mean. Also, it's funny because he says, you know, these dark corners of the internet are very disturbing places and we should be seeing how that's affecting children who grow up into young adults who do these mass shootings. I agree with that. People who are spending a lot of their time in dark parts of the internet and being exposed to terrible ideologies that radicalize them. That is a relevant conversation. How do we encourage people to live more healthy lives so that they don't end up being radicalized to that extent? But then the second half of his statement was, we should look at these dark parts of the internet and get an exorcist to fix it. This isn't something that we need to spiritually fix. There are real, on-the-ground, material, worldly ways that we can improve this issue. But see, this is what happens when you try to ignore the obvious solutions. You start coming up with bizarre, unhinged ideas that you even have to preface for the Fox News audience. Hey, I know you're going to think this is wacky, but hear me out, you know? So there we go. Fox News host suggesting that exorcists are the solution to mass shootings. Okay, we our last story is... <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> okay, let me compose myself. I want to warn you, I am not going to be able to get through this story without crying of laughter, so just brace yourself. A congresswoman that I previously was unfamiliar with got up on the House floor and said she needs her right to have a gun to be protected so that if it comes to it, (laughs) if it comes to it, she can shoot her grandchildren. What? A congresswoman said she needs her right to bear arms so that if it comes to it, she can shoot her grandchildren. (laughs) So I'm not, I'm obviously not going to BS you. Of course, I think giving her the benefit of the doubt, she probably misspoke. But when you watch this, there was no like moment of wait, that didn't make sense. (sighs) I'm going to die. Okay. (laughs) Let's watch. Ayo is recognized. Madam Speaker, I uh, recognize the, um, or yield uh, two minutes to the gentlelady from Arizona, Ms. Lesko. The gentlelady from Arizona is recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Representative Jordan. I rise in opposition to H.R. 2377. I have five grandchildren. I would do anything, anything to protect my five grandchildren, including as a last resort shooting them if I had to to protect the lives of my grandchildren. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, What is happening? Okay, we're going to have to watch this multiple times, but let's let her finish what she's saying. Democrat bills that we've heard this week want to take away my right, my right to protect my grandchildren. They want to take away the rights of law-abiding citizens to protect 
their own children and grandchildren and wives and brothers and sisters mm, by having to kill them maybe okay let's start that over one second Ooh, okay breathe everybody breathe here we go is recognized all right we're on the house floor congress serious stuff minutes to the gentlelady from arizona miss lesko the gentlelady from arizona is recognized for two minutes thank you representative jordan i rise in opposition to hr 2377 I have five grandchildren. I would do anything, anything to protect my five grandchildren, including as a last resort, shooting them. <laughs> that moment is legendary. I have five grandchildren. I would do anything for those five grandchildren, including if it came to it, shooting them. What? Hold up. Had to, to protect the lives of my grandchildren. Democrat bills that we've heard this week. Um, I think you just made the best argument for gun control because apparently we have congresswomen who want to be able to shoot their own grandchildren. Now, again, okay, let's let's break it down. What do you think she was trying to say? I honestly don't know. Maybe she forgot to say if someone was entering my house who was trying to harm my grandchildren, then I would shoot them, speaking of the person who was coming to harm them. But the sentence came out so fluid. It wasn't like, you know, if someone ever tried to come kill my grandchildren, you know, I love my grandchildren so much, I would I would want to shoot them. Where the, it sounds like you're saying the grandchildren, but you were just referring to the person who was trying to hurt your grandchildren. But no, with this, she doesn't reference anyone else in the context of that statement. All she says is, I love my grandchildren so much that if I want, if, if it came to it, I would have have to shoot them or i should be able to wild stuff okay one more time this is it, i promise it's just it's too funny just for two minutes thank you representative jordan i rise in opposition to hr 2377 look she's looking at prepare notes how did she prepare this so wrong? You, I think she had a bullet point that was laying out a situation where her children were about, or her grandchildren were about to be harmed by someone, and that's where she was going to say, I should be able to shoot them, speaking of the, you know, robber going in the house or something like that. But then accidentally, while she was typing up her notes, deleted that bullet point, because she's looking down at sheets of paper and somehow says an absurd misspeak, I hope. I have five grandchildren. I would do anything anything to protect my five grandchildren, including as a last resort, shooting them if I had to, to protect the lives of my grandchildren. Democrat. <laughs> that could not be a more clear, well-communicated well way to say exactly what she just said. Like she did not stutter. She did not take a pause because she was getting confused about what she was trying to say. She looked right at the speaker and said, if it comes to it, I need the ability to kill my five grandchildren because I love them so much. That's crazy. Again, we're giving her the bit of the doubt. Of course, she probably wasn't meaning to say that. She probably meaning to say she should use her gun to protect her grandchildren by killing someone as a last resort. But hilarious hilarious i can't even get enough of that but i won't play it again for your sake wild stuff in america guys that concludes today's podcast thank you so much for listening don't forget to leave a five-star rating and a review and i'll see you tomorrow